Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, it's Malls. Reminder before the show to make sure that you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts. And if you're new, welcome to Please Advise Nation. Our show only works with your participation, so call 323-450-7408 with your dilemmas and life questions. Again, that's 323-450-7408 or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or email. Please advise nation. It's episode 175. I'm Malls, Molly McAleer. I'm here with my dog Wags and that's about fucking it. I was supposed to record an episode or I was like not supposed to, but I kind of said that I might record an episode with my family over Thanksgiving um, when I was in Texas visiting my aunt and my uncle, my cousins. But I just kind of like when I was there, I was... the moment never presented itself like at one point I was gonna do it with like a group but then the group never really materialized it was like my cousin's friend stretch was over and his like girlfriend or whatever and then that didn't feel appropriate and then they were gone but we were all like really just like stuffed and I think watching something on TV and then at night my aunt and I wanted to watch documentaries and I thought about doing something where like people were isolated and I just asked them a question but the more I thought about it my aunt's a fucking substitute teacher my uncle works in universities he like runs janitorial departments for universities so he doesn't need this in his life my cousin Fiona I mean I guess her hair I mean I'll plug my cousin Fiona's hair business I'll put her hair business in the description of this so if you're in the Fort Worth area and you want a bomb ass color or blowout or whatever my cousin Fiona's the shit um but no one can benefit from this except for me so ultimately there was really no need to put them through it and I just wanted to chill there's something nice about Thanksgiving but of course you come back from Thanksgiving or any other holiday and if you didn't do all your work beforehand which let's face it most of us you know some of us get it done but we're not all overachievers hold on one second Wags is asking to be let out come here Wags there you go go party um, if you're not an overachiever, which I think a lot of us are not, or, you know, at times you kind of just have slumps where you're not really an overachiever. I definitely have had times, periods of time where one could say I was arguably manic and I just, um, was working my brains out. Not really, not really in that place right now. So this is why we're going to do a special thing today. I'm going to answer the long letters that Christina sent me by myself But I'm going to do it over a long period of time because in between each letter, I'm going to do something I'm motherfucking supposed to do, okay? So this is going to be like a three birds with one stone thing. I have two like little paragraph pitchy things to write that I have like, listen, I don't need to tell you my fucking creative process, but I have two things I have to write that shouldn't take more than an hour apiece. I have... A few letters from you. Let's see how many I have. I've really like come to the table prepared today, haven't I? Um, we've got one, two, three. We got three letters and a text message. I think that's pretty good. I think that's a good space out. Um, let's just go over some things real quick, pop culture wise. Vanderpump Rules is nigh. How do we feel? I'm like excited, but I'm also I don't know. They really got to bring it for me in a special way this season because I don't like it when I get a little bit exhausted. 
with my reality shows. Like, I feel like the last couple of seasons, by the end of this, like, last, like, five, six episodes, I kind of let them collect on my DVR for, like, a week or something, which is so not me with Vanderpump Rules. Definitely not with Southern Charm. I don't want to reach that place, the Southern Charm. Sometimes a show, it can bring me back. I would say Real Housewives in New Jersey has brought me back. Um, I'm not there right now, but it's brought me back in the past. New York has brought me back. Um, sometimes these shows will lose me for like half a season. And I feel like with Vanderpump Rules, I'm going to need them to hit me with some hot, hot heat. And I'm not talking about Jackson Brittany. I'm talking about the weird stuff. Like, I need everyone to just keep being, like, low-key, like unaware of how weird they are because that is the joy of Vanderpump Rules is the candid nature of some of these individuals and I don't know if we're really going to get to see that I love the shady editing I hope that's able to keep up more than ever I feel like I've heard somewhere that they're breaking the fourth wall a little bit this season I'm not sure if that's true but I feel like at this point how could they not Teen Mom did it so well um and I've, you know, other shows have explored it before, but Teen Mom did it really well, I think. And it's uh, it's it's a, it's the thing to do. So Amanda Bynes is back, I guess. I don't know if you guys read the paper magazine, break the Internet thing. I think that's their like brand now that they're they break the Internet. And I mean, I, when I say that, I think that that's their brand now. They've done this like five or six times. So I'm finally recognizing the pattern. Um, But Amanda Bynes is back, but I don't know if you guys read the profile, but I personally felt there was a lot missing there. I didn't, I'm not comfortable with it. I'll just say it. I'm not comfortable with it. I feel like we're embracing it like this is normal. I feel like what I saw there was a lot of what we saw after Britney had her meltdown where she came back to the public and was just like, this is what I get. Like I got my kids taken away. I am basically a flop. I have to earn back everything and I look different and it's because I messed up and I did drugs and I acted crazy in public and I don't think that that's it. I think that that is really like I think that that's exactly what Amanda's doing. Amanda um, if anyone follows her what is allegedly her her real account um if just Google, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably if you're not in, you're out like she locked it. But I'm in and she posted that she thought the paper magazine spread was going to drop on December 2nd, which is Britney's birthday. She is also obsessed with Britney Spears. So I can only imagine that she's kind of taking the Britney. She has a conservatorship, which is not discussed in the article from what I remember. I'm If it is, it's glossed over. Um, if anyone reads like Crazy Days and Nights or is even just familiar with like everything that's gone on with like Dan Schneider leaving Nickelodeon this year and the rumors that have circulated him for years, um, specifically like regarding there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. If you just Google it, whether it's true or not, there's a lot of um, accusations about what happened when Amanda was growing up, which would kind of explain a little bit of the mental trajectory of what we're seeing. If you guys follow Crazy Days and Nights, which I really recommend, um, it's one of the oldest blind item sites out there. It's been around for 12 years. It's I find it to be more reliable than not. I find that a lot of that stuff is pretty true. We find out about it in the long run anyway. That's the great thing with the blind item. I've always just been a fan of them as someone who loves gossip and pop culture. We talk about them a lot on the show. But for anyone who's not familiar with The Blind Item, it's a piece of pop culture news that's so juicy that they can't outwardly say, you know, this is so-and-so and so-and-so. We're seen doing coke at this nightclub. Like, they can't say that's, you know, example 
like, you know, Cardi B and Azealia Banks. Why would they be doing coke together? Exactly. But in a blind item, it presents a scenario that is ultimately true, but they can't release the names yet. And they're usually written in sort of a crafty way. It's tradition that's gone back as far as like Ted Casablanca E. I don't know if he invented the blind item. I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure I'm missing some sort of like page six history or something. But um, they're basically very juicy tidbits. And when you go to a reliable source, a lot of the times they are true. Um, so I found that Amanda's profile, like I'm just not buying it. I feel like it's very thin and I feel like we're so desperate for her to come back that like a lot of people were like, yeah, but then, you know, I I started to do some more specific searches, just trying to find like, is anyone else thinking what I'm thinking? Um, and I will keep like a lot of those thoughts to myself, but I was seeing that a lot of those people, a lot of people out there were having the same thoughts I were having just like, there's like a lot of information missing here. And it did seem like a profile from a little bit like, you know, from, from the 2008 era when like it was, acceptable to just write something off as you know so and so did drugs and they were bad and now they paid like they paid dearly for it they lose their career and again this is like not something we see with like guys I mean Justin Bieber so arguably went way way more off the deep end than Amanda Bynes is Justin Bieber a more valuable commodity I don't I don't know that you can necessarily say that they're both incredibly high earners in their own categories um and you know, treasures in their own way, um, but also very conflicted human beings. However, we continue to follow him in a way that's, you know, alternate, alternately celebratory and, um, you know, kind of like at his expense. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't buy it. I don't know if anyone else there and please advise nation has thoughts on this. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts because, if you followed the Bynes journey, you know, I, as I'm, I'm a motherly type, I have questions, honey. Okay. I really do. Are you okay? Who, I don't think there's a gun being held to her head and in any way. I think that she participated in this and it was something that she happily participated in, but I don't, I'm not buying this as the truth. And I don't think that this is the truth. And I don't think that the stuff that we're missing is positive for Amanda to either hide or to portray as the truth because I think that there's a lot more uh, to it than just, you know, bad behavior. I think that there was a lot of bad behavior from a lot of people that probably led up to some of the stuff that happened with her. And I'm not saying she's not responsible for her actions. I'm just saying that she gave over a big part of her life to the public at a very young age. And um, I think that we owe her like a little bit of a little bit of leeway and a little bit of like room to experiment and understand and like come forward and share stuff with us. I mean, Drew Barrymore is probably had the best like recovery arc of any celebrity of all time. Maybe Robert Downey Jr. as well. And I saw someone on Twitter say this yesterday to Amanda, which was like, girl, you got to do, you got to do the Robert Downey Jr. and come back like he did on Ally McBeal with a supporting role and like earn America's love back because you can do that. But I don't know if that's I don't know if it's true, because if this Twitter that she she, first of all, she's in Glendale an awful lot. And trust me, my friend Logan, that's staying with me and I we joke about it all the time. Like do she's always asking for rides to school and for like a little extra cash. And like can someone give her a ride from the Hyatt and Glendale or like the Hilton and Glendale. It's like whatever. 
and we thought about doing it, but I ultimately know I can't engage. I think we had a call on here even years ago from a guy who wanted to give Amanda Bynes a cell phone. So we followed this journey. We know there's more here than what she's saying. And the fact that the conservatorship, which seems to be like ultimately the vice on her fucking nuts in this life of hers, if you follow this Twitter or if you, you know, really have heard any of the gossip surrounding her over the years, the vice on her nuts is that she like lives off of Starbucks gift cards and like Amazon wishlist items. She's not really allowed to have or operate cash on her own. And her parents have like, I think left the state or something like that. So anyway, um, I have a lot of questions. Okay, let's read our first letter. It says, Hi, please advise crew. My grandma passed away a couple weeks ago, and I just got a life insurance check for a policy she left to my uncle, my brother, and me. It's not like lottery money, but it's a couple thousand dollars. I can't decide if I should save the money or spend it on something fun or give it to charity. We were very close while I was growing up, and she helped raise me in the place of my alcoholic and absent mother, but she moved away when my mom moved away about 13 years ago, so we've been distant for a while. I love my grandma, but I had a complicated relationship with her. She was abusive to people around her, but not directly to my brother and me. When my brother got his portion of the check, he texted me and said that the check made him sad. He would rather have my grandma be alive than have the money. So this all got me thinking, what would you do with the money? Okay. Um, so, you know... I had my grandmother pass away. I'm going to actually answer two questions because I see that accidentally two were pasted here. So I'm going to read them both because also this one is making me sad um, because I love you. <laughs> I'm sorry that you lost your grandma. I It's just like the worst feeling in the world. I think it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, and it's actually funny that you mentioned that. I'm not sure. I'm sure I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but like when my grandparents died, there was money in homes and like, you know, some items that were left and um, a family member got really greedy and, you know, wanted basically arranged to take it all um, while my grandparents were still alive, possibly when they weren't necessarily able to really consent to that. Um, and like the real tragedy about all of this is that I think my grandparents would be um, horrified to to see that the family was torn apart basically over a small amount of money and a couple homes that we all really like grew up in and loved. Um, but we're not rabid about um, our, the real loss was always there was no gain. There was just a loss. So I like feel for you immediately when I read this question because wills are they're touchy. They're not something I don't like to talk about it. When when my family members bring them up, I get really uncomfortable and um, it's interesting because I think that sometimes it's taken as I'm not appreciative or something appreciative, appreciative, appreciate you. But I really just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about my family members dying. So <laughs> it's hard because sometimes you don't really have these conversations before someone dies. I guess they are conversations that need to happen. I think that, you know, ne- you don't necessarily have to do it. Um, when people are still, you know, in their 50s and 60s and in good health. Um, But that's my personal avoidance. As we can see, this is an episode themed on avoidance. Um, But when you don't have those conversations and there isn't some sort of idea in place, yeah, you're left with this, you know, little little jackpot, right? And it's uncomfortable because there's nothing celebratory about it. 
That said, you know, don't let it burn a hole in your pocket. My first impulse is to say there should be no impulse. Like, just chill. Put it in the bank. You know, I would say, honestly, this is this is crazy and you probably should not do it, but I would put it into crypto. The market is tanking and you can get some Bitcoin for real fucking cheap right now, bitch. You could probably, if you have a couple thousand dollars, you could buy most of a Bitcoin right now. They're at $3,700. When I bought in, they were at 6000 Now, obviously, I did not buy an entire Bitcoin. I bought a very, very, very small portion of a Bitcoin. Um, like, at first, $50 worth. So that's like, you know, one bajillionth of a Bitcoin. But um, I, I would, you know, I would, if you feel like having fun with it, you know, maybe throw it into the market. Maybe have, a, Maybe see if you can grow it. You know, play a little game with yourself. Keep your mind off things. You know, it's a little bit like playing the penny slots. Like you get to see a little bit of movement back and forth if you want to watch it closely. I personally, given the fact that the market has completely tanked, I've tuned out. Um, so you could have fun with it like that um, or maybe, you know, grow it, invest in it. You know, there's very few investments you can make at that level. Um, I'm sure you could buy, you know, $2,000 worth of stock and something, but um you know, there's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with like putting it into a mutual fund. I'm sure you can do that or buy a CD if you want to like grow interest over time. Can you still buy CDs? Um, I used to buy CDs when I was a kid. That was like my mom would make me put my Christmas money in a CDs. It was uh, supposed to teach me about finances, but really um, I'm still terrified of them. So that's another reason why this question is giving me a little bit of anxiety. And I wonder if that may be why you're having a little bit of anxiety around it too. Because of the whole, you know, single mom stuff and like all the, you know, probably financial issues that came around that whole situation you were in. Um, So the other uh, thing is, you know, okay, can you spend it on something? Well, I think that, you know, maybe if you wanted to spend it on something that would be a treat to you, um, maybe you can send yourself on a nice vacation. I think a couple thousand dollars that will buy you a really, really nice time, apparently in the Galapagos Islands. According to an Uber driver I had a couple weeks ago, $2,000 in the Galapagos Islands will, honey, best best time of your life. He told me you could have two weeks down there on two grand, best time of your life. So maybe if my store does really well, I'll go to the Galapagos Islands. But you could maybe do that or, you know, um, apparently, you know, I, I do want to say the tea is that Iceland is very expensive once you get there. So maybe don't go for the cheap ticket to Iceland. Everyone does that. It's very cliche. Um, maybe you can enjoy a nice trip around the United States. Enjoy the 15th United States. I love traveling in the United States. I love it. I love these states. I do. We are in ruins right now. But it is a beautiful country, and I think that's what is such a shame about it. Uh, maybe you could, you know, go on a nice long road trip, find yourself. Uh, maybe use the money to, like, take a couple shifts off work, you know? I don't know what you do for a living if, like, you can buy vacation time like that by, you know, using that money to get time off work um, because you don't have to do the shift. Give yourself some time off, um, Maybe you can invest. Maybe you can invest that money in a store like me. Um, maybe you could, uh, yeah, donate it. So this is the last option. I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to be a martyr, sweetie. Donate half your money, but keep some money for yourself. There's no, like, yes, it's very important to be charitable, but unless you're, like, really fucking killing it in life, 
Like everyone, like I just took a plane voucher that was a thousand dollars. That like, do I arguably need it? I I will survive the calendar year without that thousand dollars. But like, do I? Can I sit in an airport for an extra six dollars for six, for a thousand? Sorry, <laughs> Christina. Sorry. But can I sit in an airport for an extra six hours to just get a thousand dollars? Yeah, I can do that. Six hours for a thousand bucks is great, unless, of course, you're me yelling at a task rabbit. If you don't get that reference, you're probably better off. So let's go um, to the charitable option you suggested. I say if you give give a portion of it to charity, it should probably be something that you know maybe isn't literal. Like, you know, I sometimes find like when you give, I don't like giving like, I don't necessarily like giving fundraising money for a deceased person to the charity that's correlated with the disease that killed them. I don't, I I do like that sometimes, but I also think it's important to kind of honor the person's life by giving back to a certain niche cause of theirs. Like if she was really involved in a church and it brought a lot of joy to her life, throw a couple grand at the church or like, you know, 500 bucks at the church. If, you know, she really liked sailing, maybe there's some program for like elderly sailors or young sailors or underprivileged sailors maybe you know you can buy a bunch of yarn for like a knitting bazaar like if a bunch of old ladies are doing some sort of knitting bee my aunt Alice loved a knitting bee she would just sit around and she would churn out 30 pairs of socks in in a couple months you know so you could do something like that um and just um you know ultimately Like, your life is different now. And this money doesn't matter, but I understand why it feels like a predicament. And it's because your life is different now. So when you, if you came into this money in any other way, it would just be an exciting little windfall. But the reason why it feels heavy is because of this relationship. Ultimately, I don't think your grandmother would have ever given you this money as an imposition. And... I think you should think about the good times and how much it means that you were on her short list of people she cared very deeply about. That means a lot. People don't just leave people in their wills. Um, it's like a it's an it's a sign of like honor and appreciation. And I feel like you should um, enjoy that, you know, um, as much as you can. And just know that a lot of the emotion you're experiencing right now is not because of the money. It's because your grandma and you know, if you can disassociate disassociate that in any way, or maybe that gives you some perspective, that would probably be great. Okay, I'm going to answer one more, and then I'm going to go do my fucking work. Okay. Wait, sorry. Apparently, we don't have another letter. I, I, I misunderstood something that was in the email. So we don't have another letter here. I'm going to go work. I'll be right back. I'm really flopping today, you guys, huh? Okay, I'll be right back. Um, for you, it will be just a second, not even milliseconds but for me it will have been an hour okay be right back hey purge dogs okay so I finished my thing and I sent it out via email do I feel good I don't know I had to ignore a call from my mom who I haven't spoken to in a while while I was doing it um which I was like fuck like I don't know if you guys have anyone in your life like that where you just have bad like 
communi- like bad synergy regarding communication. Like for some reason, my mom and my aunt Sarah only call me when I literally am in an emotional dumpster past my eyes in sardines. Like I just literally am like in garbage, like up past my brow and it's mostly sardine based. And that's when my phone rings and I'm like, dog, like purge dog. Like I could not be in less of a opportunity to speak right now. Um, So I had to do that, which I feel guilt around. And then my mom emailed me and said, like, can we talk this week? And now I'm like scheduling a phoner with my mom, which feels really uncomfortable, but I guess is the move. Um, I also opened up, this is, um, this is relatable. Have you noticed this like celebrity trend now of being like, this is relatable, right? And then they just barrel forward with an anecdote that's like completely alienating. Um, but this is relatable, right? So I just opened up a, um, envelope of screeners from my agent, which is part of, uh, not from my agent, sorry, God, I'm such a fucking douche, um, from my accountant, who is the one who gets all my Writers Guild screeners, which, um, you know, I don't think I've worked a Writers Guild job in like two years, but, um, I'm still in it, paying my dues. So what they do is they send you movies because you can you can vote for as long as you're in the writers guild you can vote for wga awards stuff like that um if you're in the academy which i am not you can vote for shit like that so they send you dvds of all of these things so that you can make the most informed choice possible but of course these screeners they're just basically dvds they also want to pander to you with the packaging so you're more likely to open it more likely to engage and very impressed by the amount of money that the company who has made this project wants you to um wants you to pay attention to their thing you know they're like okay i'm really all in so this year uh, is the first year that i've noticed a large amount of streaming screeners come in meaning like things that are already on hulu or amazon like the handmaid's tale The Handmaid's Tale and, like, I don't know if it was Big Little Lies or what, but, like, they came with, like, fucking board games. Like, they came with, like, huge setups. And I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't exercise my right to vote in that capacity. Um, I never have. Maybe one year I did, but it's, like, you know, I don't, who, like, come on now. And, um... I don't understand the point of, I mean, I guess I understand the point is they want to shove it on your doorstep so you remember Handmaid's Tale, that's the shit, but, um, and also that they're behind it, so you're like, wow, okay, like, even they believe this is their best show. They, like, literally spent $30 on packaging per person. I mean, this shit is, I would love to know what the per person of, I mean, I'm sure the volume is larger than, like, a wedding invitation, but, like, this is some... It makes even the most intricate invitation on my super sweet 16 look fucking pathetic. And I have to know how much money goes into putting together some of these packages. But I finally got some regular. I'm smelling them right now. I finally got some regular DVDs. I got the hate you give, which who knows what this is. What is this a movie? Um, I don't, I don't know things. And then I got crazy rich Asians, which I will watch as well as a star is born, which I don't know. I need a couple of years before I can watch that. I just like need everyone to get the fuck out of my face about it. But, um, one interesting thing that I can't understand why, but I like maybe more than all the things that have happened with screeners so far is that for some reason, all three of these smell like fruit. And I don't know why. And that's not like some sort of weird joke about the movie. It's like, I literally... They smell like fucking fruit punch. 
So that's the other thing that happened. Maybe they smell like that because my fake jewel pods. So I bought all these like fake jewel pods that are like different flavors because like fuck you jewel like you're not going to hold a bitch down like I know that you're like limiting whatever you sell at 7-Eleven so teens won't do it but you're not going to hold me down I'm not ordering exclusively through the website although that's what I have done so far and um I don't but I don't think that's why because they don't smell I don't know why I don't know why my DVDs smell like fruit punch but they do and um I will not be voting but I appreciate the DVDs And I will destruct them when I am done viewing them because I absolutely believe the threats that they print on the outside of this thing. I mean, what does this thing say? It says, oh, my God. It says, when you break the seal, you agree to the terms of the license. Sorry, it's like wrapped around license on the box, screener, blah, blah, blah. So basically, if like I open this DVD and then I give it to one fucking person. And that person decides to scan it and upload it to the internet. They're going to know. They're going to know it came from my address. They're going to know it belonged to Molly McAleer. And then I don't know what they'll do to me. I think there's a fine involved. Possible, you know, some sort of penalty within the union. I don't need that in my life. So I really like, as I like them, but I also feel like someone sent me a bomb a little bit. Like, I feel like this is a big fucking threat. There's something so naughty about screeners, which is why I think everyone gets so fucking wet for them. It's like, oh, we don't have to pay for the movies, and they're, like, kind of illicit. Um, but anyway, I'm going to go back to reading our emails. Um, let's see. I think we've learned, like, a valuable lesson today. I'll, I'll say that right now at the halfway point. Not even really halfway point. I think we've already learned a valuable lesson today, which is that when you slice up intimidating things into bite-sized things, they become more digestible. Again, something we all know. Most of the things we say on Please Advise, we all know them. But, you know, I'm a living reminder right now. I know that some of you might be, you know, needing that reminder. So letter number two, it says, Hey, Moss, Christina, and Wags. I've been meaning to send this for a while, but I'm a classic procrastinator. Oh, my God, girl. Christina didn't even know. Okay. But I'm a classic procrastinator, so here we are. I'm finally writing in because Molly DM'd me back on Instagram, and it gave me motivation. So, so starstruck. Anyway, you guys, thank you. Um, I don't have a question, but I just want to say thank you for all that you guys do on the show. Seriously, you're doing the Lord's, Lord's work out here. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I'm 25 and I've lived in Philly for 3.5 years. I moved here when I was 21 and since I've been here pretty depressy. I just don't feel like myself anymore. I'm not used to being far away from my family and close friends and I've kind of struggled making meaningful friendships here in Philly. I'm stuck in Philly because I'm in med school. Otherwise, I would have left after the first year of living here. However, since I've been listening to the show, just discovered it in spring 2018, I have learned so much from you both and from your callers. First off, sounds like everyone my age is going through some shit. I hate to think of other people being sad or having issues, but it's just so comforting to know that I'm not alone. Next, your podcast has given me a sense of confidence. Every time I struggle with boy issues, friend issues, issues in med school, I hear Mal's advice in my head and remember that I'm a bad bitch. Oh, girl, you are a bad bitch. Probably the most important thing I have taken from the show is when you say you're a different person when you're 25 versus 28 versus 30, etc. Now I look forward to learning as I grow older instead of dreading not being 21 anymore. Anyway, besides taking life-changing advice lessons for your show, I love listening to you both. I feel like I can relate to Molly's upbringing and life. Upbringing and life. Oh, you can relate to my upbringing and life. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> and Christina's warm personality makes me feel right at home. 
like I'm receiving advice from an old pal. Also love all the interactions with Wags. I have a Yorkie poo who also has a big personality and his name is Kylo. He loves the pod. Thanks for reading all this. Love you both. If either of you ever find yourself in Philly, know that you have a friend here, Marina. P.S. Sorry for the typos. I'm riding shotgun with my roommate to Delaware for a marathon. She's running psychopath. And every once in a blue moon, I need to pay attention to the GPS. So scatterbrained. Um, Marina, thank you so much for writing that. I didn't realize when I started reading this, which, you know, maybe I should read the letters before I start recording, um, that I was basically reading a long compliment. But um, thank you so much. And you know what? You're so right. Um, Like, this is my, like, literal dream letter to get from the podcast. Although I wish that my advice made you feel like you're talking to an old pal as well. Um, But, but, uh, no, this is, like, my dream thing. Because it's true. We're all fucking going through it. Like, Christy and I started this podcast because we were going through it when we started it. And, bitch, we still going through it. Okay, life is literally about going through it. It is what it is. You know, you only know the the highs because you know the lows. And, you know, please advise nation. What's up? Velcro for positivity. Shout out to Greg Lacey for that new motto. Um, I appreciate you. I really do. And I think, you know, you sound like the type of person that I'm glad listens to this show. Going, going to see your roommate run a marathon. Literally the most boring thing. Like... I wouldn't care if my husband came back from the dead and ran a marathon. I still really would not want to watch. I can't imagine that if I ran a marathon that I'd be expecting anyone to stand out. Um, I know, like, honestly, to be honest, I know, like, Christina would, even though I'd be like, girl, you don't have to do this. But, like, she would. Maybe she wouldn't. I don't know. Christina, who knows what Christina would do if I was running a marathon. That's like a that's a parallel universe. So Christina might not even be Christina. Christina could be Nick the roommate. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for uh, listening to the podcast and for your kind letter and for being who you are. It sounds like you're really a mature young lady and got a lot of good stuff going on and good perspective. And, you know, that's a good attitude. I've never personally been in the position of having to do like, quote unquote, hard time in a place that I don't want to be in outside of LA sometimes at times um I love being in Glendale but you know there's definitely it does feel a little bit like a life sentence in some ways um which it's not I can leave at any time but I understand like I I feel what I feel for you I feel for that situation I really like my heart goes out to you because um I have a lot of sympathy for you because I I can only imagine that um it's very uncomfortable to be in a place you don't want to be, but know that you have like a goal in being there. But then, uh, you know, also come around and have the nice attitude of like, it's not it's not permanent. You know, I hope that you can find a way to keep making it the best for yourself because um, you seem like a dope girl and I feel like you probably have a lot of ingenuity. You can do whatever you want. So thanks for listening. And uh, I'm going to go into the next letter and then maybe we'll wrap this bitch up. I don't know. Letter number three. I was going to do something in between, but I feel like that's like, you know, that was a very nice compliment. And that's not really like fair for me to like be like, nice compliment. Okay, go like start your next project. I need to like, I need to help someone, man. I can't just like, you know, flip between exercises. Like I came here to give advice and I got to give advice and then I got to do my next project and then I got to come back and give final advice and then I got to go. 
Okay. So letter number three. Hi, ladies, wags, and guests. So a little bit of background. I started a new job five months ago. Not in the work area that I'd choose. Very boring but easy work. But I needed affordable health care, and they have an amazing full coverage benefits, and it's 15 minutes from my home, which in Los Angeles is so great to not deal with crazy commute, especially since I have a pretty new baby at home. So here I am. Boring but secure job. I was fine until this week. My direct supervisor questioned me about stickers that have been on interoffice mail and wanted to know if I was placing stickers on my stuff. I told him no, but that I did have colored tape I use. He said not to use it anymore because people have complained and to use standard clear tape. Fine, whatever. People are annoying, but they're being strict about being professional, I guess. Fine, I'll stop. My colored tape is the cute rainbow tape that comes out of a cloud-shaped dispenser. It's literally a rainbow in the clouds. <laughs> when my when I left my boss's area, I thought stupid people are probably complaining because they hate gay people and think that a rainbow means gay. But that was it. Today, my boss calls me back again and shows me an envelope sealed with my tape and asks, what is this, your tape? I said, yes. He said, okay, yes, stop using it. People were complaining because they found it offensive because it's LGBT, so don't use it anymore. In that moment, I wanted to cry, thinking that that was the reason why it made me mad earlier in the week, but hearing him say it was offensive because it's LGBT made me so sad. Nothing about the LGBTQ community is offensive, and for someone at work to actually complain because something they view as LGBTQ offends them is so great gross. We have biases trainings and get emails about supporting the LGBTQ community and our LGBTQ clients. And then I'm getting told my LGBTQ rainbow tape is offensive, makes no sense to me. In this moment, I want to find someone to file a complaint with about the people that just complained about my tape for being intolerant and discriminatory and just for being gross people. But I'm new, so I don't know where to start. And I'm still probably on my period, so I feel like they could fire me if they wanted to for making a big deal. I'm a straight cisgender female, and I don't want to dismiss my complaint if I do make one. So my ask is, should I let it go and never use the tape? Should I file a complaint? And what is my complaint besides fuck this person and their LGBTQ hate? And how do I even start one? I have never had an issue like this anywhere I've worked before, and I don't know what to do. I'm really emotional right now because it just happened. Sorry for the long letter. Please advise. Okay, so I'm also a cisgender straight female, um, and wags who you know i don't know what he identifies as um can't speak english so i'm going to take this one myself um i do wish well first of all i'll just say i'm glad that i didn't have to put any of my family members on the spot with this question because i don't know what they'd say and i hope it would be nice but i don't know you never know um and i also you know have my own blind spot as uh, you know as i think you do too i'm going to be honest with you I would be upset by this too. I am surprised it happened in Los Angeles, but I think it's nice for our listeners who are not here in LA to hear that this isn't necessarily the echo chamber that people think it is. There is a lot of conservative people around. There are a lot of conservative people around here. Rather, there are, you know, a lot of, there's hate groups. There's people that are just conservative and, you know, don't believe homosexuality is cool they're not behind queerness they're not with it um they don't want it in their face and then there's also just people that feel generally that all stuff like this is best kept out of the workplace which is not necessarily how i feel but i respect that for all different reasons i respect that in general the best way to not create conflict is to kind of just 
keep everything neutral. That way, if a homophobe and, you know, an openly gay person have to work next to each other in a cubicle, they both work there. I mean, I don't know. There's no, honestly, like, I wish I could just say all homophobic people are people who are not active allies of the LGBTQ community should not work and should not pick up checks. That's just not the world that we live in. And frankly, I think that once, you know, I am one of those people that as much as I, I hate intolerance, I am very aware of the way that limiting people that we don't agree with will cause limitations on us. It's why the free speech issue is so complicated and so important. It's because when you start striking down on language, people can strike back down on you. Like, you know, it's and it's a very touchy issue because it's a it is a double edged sword. It's 100 percent a double edged sword. So and I'm getting uncomfortable even like talking about this because in my heart, I wish that everyone was comfortable with everything that, you know, a rainbow piece of tape on a work envelope wasn't, you know, some sort of moral dilemma. If I have to be honest with you, I'm probably certain i'm pretty sure that the person who has a problem with this is the person who complained to you that supervisor i seriously seriously doubt unless this whole company is quite backwards i seriously doubt that one of your coworkers went to the supervisor and said like you know what's with this gay tape like i seriously doubt that i don't want to see that lgbtq tape like that makes me uncomfortable I mean, unless you're working in a very backwards place, which honestly, I would really hope you would have it would have occurred to you before this tape incident. If you were working in an intolerant environment with intolerant people, um, I would think that would have occurred to you before the tape incident. And that might speak to like a little bit of the cisgendered female part of it where maybe you're not your your ears aren't up. You're not listening for that, you know that vibe that's there you're not picking up on the undercurrent of sort of like ever-present intolerance that's there that said you know you are not working at a stationary shop I think that you should be able to use the work materials that you want but I think if you are clearly breaking tradition by introducing any sort of you know whimsical tape any sort of like gimmicky tape I feel like if you're the only person doing that 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 might actually be just as much of the issue because maybe they just don't want you know if someone else started putting Jesus tape on stuff I think that that you know I don't necessarily equate a rainbow to Jesus tape I don't think a rainbow necessarily but that said you know, that rainbow symbol is not just a rainbow coming out of a cloud. That's a that's an adopted flag for an entire um, part of our civilization. You know, that's that's that that's the flag for the LGBTQ community. And so and we honor it as that and we recognize it as that um, maybe, you know, might that have been part of the error and picking that as a flag? Sure. I guess if you want to give notes to the the gay flag, you can. But. I really think that this is comes down to just an issue of, you know, maybe you want to say something in HR about how kind of the explicit nature of the way that that was relayed to you was 
jarring and you felt a little bit harsh and inappropriate and counterproductive to the company's message about your LGBTQ coworkers, clients, etc. Um, but I think that really, honestly, it sounds like you broke some sort of procedure or system or operation that is worked for a very long time at this company. It sounds like you brought in a, an outside material that they don't use and they don't want on their interoffice materials. And it may be with this guy because it's an LGBTQ thing. It may be that honestly, like he doesn't know why he doesn't really like it. Um, it could just be that he's really fucking uncomfortable that someone brought stickers into work. I mean, if he called them stickers, he's looking at them as juvenile or attention-seeking in some way, right? That's what a sticker is. It's a branding. It's a message. It's a cosign on an aesthetic, a lifestyle, whimsy, whatever, okay? So that's why he's calling them stickers because he thinks that you are attempting to politicize or, you know – make something common in the work like like let's say you were fucking putting mickey mouse on something i personally would be offended by that i don't want that disney shit in my i don't need it in my life i don't want it in my inbox i don't want to fucking look at it i don't want to feel like i'm at a fucking yard sale looking down at your disney shit like that's how i would feel ultimately girl you laid it out and that you're a new mom you have a job 15 minutes from your house that's giving you health insurance. I think you need to take note of this incident. I would be disappointed. I would even say something to HR if if it's something that's open to you. But I also would really fucking pick your battles here because you're a new mom with health insurance and a job 15 minutes from home and some guy that will probably be dead soon called your tape that you brought in from an outside source that arguably is kind of unprofessional into work. And, you know, look, I guess my bigger question to you is to tune in and ask yourself, is this just this one man? Is this man a reflection of the overall company? Am I missing some sort of greater intolerance that's happening here? Are you finding yourselves working with a lot of people that make racist comments? Like, what are the other context clues here? Um, like, what else are you, what el- What other things in the environment? Because it cannot be that you went to work, everything was fine, and then all of a sudden your boss was like a bigot. Um, typically, like, you know, leading up to an incident like this, there's a little bit more information. And it sounds like you were getting, you know, what could just be typical HR, you know, taking care of business, making sure that we're all above board, you know, let's be nice to our queer customers in the company newsletter. Sounds like you're getting a lot of messaging about that. So either that's a falsehood and it's fake or this guy is an anomaly at the company. I don't know. But I think I need more information, and I think that also this is something for our LGBTQ listeners to chime in on because I know that there are a lot of people out there who probably listen to this and are like, what the fuck? Fuck that homophobic asshole. This girl should totally file a report. She should completely, like, you know, she should tweet about it. She should do whatever. Whatever reaction you're having right now, that's valid. And I'm sure there are also a lot of LGBTQ 
plus people who are listening to this right now and being like, that's wildly unprofessional. Why would she, you know, bring in her own tape to work that does have, for better or worse, some sort of political leanings to it? Although, let's just say, even if it didn't, if it was just fucking Winnie the Pooh tape, like, that would be a little bit inappropriate. That's not the way that things have worked at this company that has functioned for 50 years or whatever. I find myself, I'm stuck between the two. I really am because I see both sides very clearly. I feel like from our listener or from our our writer, our person who wrote in, we need to get more information from you or some sort of reflection from you and then a letter back. And then from our listeners, I want to hear from you guys because I'm a cisgendered straight female as, as well. So I... <laughs> I really don't have a lot to uh, offer outside of, you know, my opinion on this other straight cisgendered female, you know, her her take. So I don't know, girl. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going to go do one last thing and then I'll come back and read our final letter. I guess it's a text message. Um, I don't know, man. I think I probably flopped that one. But. All right. Okay, so I want everyone to know that as I'm recording this, it is Tuesday. I'm getting into Christina late, so you might be getting it late. But the Thank You Next video has not come out yet. And I am really, really excited to see what Ariana has done. I mean, it's basically what we're all waiting for. If you guys agree, let me know. Are you guys here for Ari? I mean, I know that I keep talking about her every week, but I haven't really heard a lot of feedback, which makes me think that I'm alone in this. But then I also kind of think that maybe the entire nation is in love with her and just a little bit surprised by it. I mean, I would say I would go as far as to say I'm I'm shocked that I'm in love with Ariana Grande, that she's my favorite artist and that I think she is a superstar. Um, I didn't think I'd be the one here saying that, but here I am. And um, maybe you guys are in my camp as well and just can't vocalize it yet. Okay, so we have a text message. It's from Casey, and it says, Hey, please advise. Glad to have you back. So I'm 24, and everyone I know is either my age or my increasingly out-of-touch parents' age, and I would like some sage 30s wisdom. You guys have given me some very illuminating perspective in the past, and I'd love to mind you for some general advice about being in your 20s and trying to thrive, if that's possible at this occasional dumpster fire stage of life. For reference, I'm 24 female, Libra, single, and not mad at it, currently living in DFW, but always looking to relocate. I have a pretty boring desk job, but most of my shit ends up being free time that I get to spend working on my writing projects and freelance writing emails for an old rich woman. Oh, Jesus. Freelance writing emails for an old rich woman in DFW. I'm mostly happy at this point in life, but I'm feeling a little bit unfulfilled. Thanks, y'all. Casey. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't really have much to say past Like, I mean, this is, oh, God, you know what? Actually, I'm so sorry. I was going to say something that would have fucking driven me nuts when I was your age. Oh, God, I would have fucking hated me if I was you. I was going to do the thing. Well, sounds like, you know, you've got an idea right on your hands. You're going to be writing emails for a rich old woman. That sounds like something that you could sell to Hollywood. Like literally like just people making 
writing a movie that would star Meryl Streep sound like the easiest fucking thing in the world. And I'm like 24 and like barely even know I'm allowed to take improv classes. Like, so I'm going to back it up and say fucking sorry in advance for or retrospectively for almost being like the most unlikable person um, to a person who's younger. Um is the person who makes it seem all like, well, listen here, you've got a, you know, you got a real idea. Sorry, you didn't sniff out this obvious one. Of course you, of course you know it's a good idea. I understand where you're at. You're like, you're trying to get your motor revved up, and I understand. Like, listen, I do think that women, we are, you know, we're not um, always set up the same way that like some of our peer, male peers are. I think. Um, we fall by the wayside a little bit more often when it comes to, you know, what you do in the next phase. I think that a lot of us, it's about getting to college and then it kind of like the message kind of falls off. Like, you know, you're going to get a job, but like, I, I will say that I feel like there are certain conversations that kind of just stopped happening because like in a very formative stage of my life, people were either telling me or I was kind of believing that, like, eventually I'd just get married or something. <laughs> like, I would have to stop showing up to life. Like, I was like, well, you know, like, by the time I'm in my 20s, like, my late 20s, like, I'll probably be married. So, like, and then, like, so, like, what? Like, I just stopped. Like, I just stopped thinking past there. So I will say that that was something that I struggled from when I was around your age was I kind of just didn't know the next right steps to take and I kind of assumed that eventually it would all head in that direction. Of course, the older I get, which is what we kind of referenced in our message, our last email from before, where someone said, you know, you're a very different person than you, you know, at 28 than you are at 24, for example, right? So um, when I was 24, I was kind of just like resting on the idea that things would all fall into place. And then by the time I was 28, I realized that a lot of those things that would have fallen into place really were not going to fulfill me um not wholly anyway um I'm not like one of those people that's like you can't have a fulfilling relationship and family life um but I do know that nothing like no person goes throughout their entire life being wholly full by just family or just work or any I think that throughout different stages of life, even if you do go with the family and the kids and all that, you're going to be 60 something years old one day and be an empty nester. And, you know, so just saying, um, you do a lot of like black and white thinking, I think in your early twenties, cause you're just still figuring shit out. And like the possibilities of the world seem really, um, just otherworldly to you. You're like, just like, what would it be like to be an adult? I have no idea. Um, so let me let me see. Boring desk job, okay. Writing projects. You feel unfulfilled. So I guess like I guess the goal would be to take your curiosities to the next level. Um, if you really are enjoying writing, it sounds like that's what you enjoy. I mean, do you have a website going? Are you publishing things? Are you sending things in? Like, do, is that an area of your life where you want to gain traction? Is there like something in your life? I wish that I had more. If I had had like a steady salary, I would like to think that I would have done this more in my 20s. But like, do you have an underdeveloped like passion or hobby that is not professional? Because 
if I had like taken a cooking class or something, I thought all of that shit was so lame in my 20s. And I was like, ew, like who would do that? But I also think that I missed out on something that a lot of my peers had who weren't as like um, just solely career minded or black and white or, you know, disorganized. They like developed hobbies that, you know, like they picked up art, di- different forms of artistry. They started cooking. They started, you know, I don't know, fucking whatever hobbies are people started doing hobbies and I just didn't I didn't do hobbies and now my hobby is starting a store and podcasts and other sort of things to like fill out that none of my hobbies I wish I had grounded myself a little bit more I wish that I had grounded myself because now um I mean it's never too late but like now as much as I like who I am as a person like I'm a little bit of a fucking emotional jungle gem you know and I think if you could like maybe find some things that are really like they make you happy, that they make you feel safe, that they make you have this sort of like fulfillment outside of your career, maybe even outside of like your relationships, just something that's just for you. Maybe that's something that you can focus on right now. It might give you a little bit of motivation and perspective and maybe even lead you into the next great thing. And I should clarify something. I don't think that it's because I don't have a hobby that I am who I am. That was a that was an exaggeration and a joke and a little bit of like me making light of the situation. I think for me going starting projects and seeing them through in whatever capacity that I do, whether it's in, to completion or um you know, an emotional limited run series in my own life. Like this store is just like a project I'm doing for right now and I don't expect much to come from it, but I keep my expectations low and I'll be happy if there's a surprise. But also my expectations are in the fucking ground. Um, I like starting small businesses. I like starting like I'm a lemonade stand type person. That's that is who I am and that is my hobby. So that said, um, I was kind of joking about that, but I do wish that I had, you know, maybe if it had, it had been more of my personality or maybe if I had had more time from it, I think one way, way that I would have really rounded out my life in my early 20s is grounding myself with a hobby that was just for me. Um, not Nothing so performative, you know, or... Um, or there's no rules. I think that's the other thing, too. Maybe you can pick something that has rules. You know, I even when I cook, I don't really follow rules. So if I'm thinking about things that I wish that I had worked on, it'd probably be like doing some stuff that has rules. Um, I don't know if I would, like, construct a, sh- a ship in a bottle or bake. Baking is more specific than a lot of cooking or... Sometimes I like to bake. I don't know. Um, one of those hobbies that people do. Um, dominoes. I don't know. What a people. I don't like one of those. Just Google hobbies and something that Martha Stewart would do. I don't know, like gluing crafts, gluing stuff together, weaving. And I know it sounds like I'm kidding, but I'm kind of not. Like I really don't know what's out there. Um, which is why I'm doing the store, I think. Because I like to, like, have a project. And, yeah, like, I paper macheed my step stool. And that was really fun. That was, like, a fun project um, that I really enjoyed and was actually like, very therapeutic for me to paper mache my 
step stool. It like turned out really cool. Um, that's not a full time job. And that's the kind of hobby I'm looking for. Thank you very much for listening to episode 175 of Please Advise. I am going to go start another full-time job that I will do just okay. If you guys want to make an appointment for the store, email me at shopslendermommy at gmail.com. Again, the rules are you have to be in L.A. or willing to get to L.A. You can book a half an hour appointment. You can bring, I mean, ideally you'll bring like two friends, but you can bring up to four. But like that's a little bit extra. So like let's not do that really. Um, Email me, shopslendermommy at gmail.com. I am not selling stuff online as of right now. It's just the itemization going. I have bought a present for my friend that is downstairs in my living room. Okay. I bought it about six months ago. It has sat in my living room. Why? Because I don't want to go to the post office. No real reason. Just kind of don't want to go. Just a little bit annoyed by it. So that said, um, you know, I uh, I don't think I can really do the online sales part right now. Not really for me. Maybe if I could bring in an assistant or something, but I just, because like that's the only way I could ensure it got done. Otherwise, I'd wind up paying out the ass. If you guys know of some sort of shipping service where I can have someone come pick up my shit and like price it every day, I'll do that. Um, but I just like, I just know I'll flop and I don't want to like be getting neg reviews and I don't want to be like, you know, disappointing people. I did not start the store to disappoint anyone, but you know, potentially myself. So, um, yeah, we're going to wrap it up today, but email me shopslendermommy at gmail.com. If you wanted to make an appointment, um, I'm trying to get everyone in, in the first like couple weeks of December if possible. And, um, yeah, I'm going to try and get some more merchandise. I'm going to see if I want some auctions. You know, I'm not going to lie. I think a lot of people copied me. I noticed that um, there's basically fucking no auctions left. Everyone there. We went from having about 30 last week to there's absolutely none left, um, which like I'm not happy about. I feel like, you know, so you guys jocked my style and you saw that I had a good thing going and, you know, I respect it. I did. I do have a good thing going. I'm go- I, everything's great. Um, but I think that, you know, you don't really need to steal my business. Um, and I think it's sad for you if you feel like you need to. Um, shopslendermommy at gmail.com. Talk to you guys next week. Make sure you call, text message, you know, do whatever you do. All right. Bye. Bye. 